Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to I just kind of take our minds to one passage of scripture this morning. Just, just one verse from Colossians chapter 2. And here's what Paul writes to the church at Colossae. He, he, he says many, many things. But one of the things he says is found in verse 7. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. And the he there is referencing our Lord Jesus. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. So I want to kind of begin with a question this morning and it's this. What would it take for that to be you? What would it take for you to be, to live the kind of life that overflows with thanksgiving, with gratefulness, with joy for all that he has done for you? And so here's what I want to do to help us think about what life like that would look like. I just simply want to give you one sentence today to take away. Just one sentence. I'm going to kind of complete the sentence for you in uh, three segments, if you would. But I, I just want to walk away with one sentence. And I think if we could really kind of live in this sentence, then we could see God do some really incredible things in our lives and through our lives, in the lives of others. And here's the first segment of the sentence. It's this. When grace flows in. When, when grace flows in. When, when God's grace flows in. Now, if we're going to get to be those kinds of people where thanksgiving, gratefulness, just kind of overflows out of us, we have got to be captured, gripped by the grace, the grace of God. Now, in the Christian community, that word gets tossed around, you know, kind of freely, kind of, kind of frequently. Um, we, we like to talk about it, but uh, I'm I'm convinced that we don't always grasp its full meaning. We don't, we're not captured by the majesty of that word. We don't, we don't, we don't get really the magnitude, how, how huge it is. Sometimes I think we take that word uh, for granted, you know. It'd be kind of like somebody walking, how many of you ever been to the Grand Canyon? In the Grand, it would be kind of somebody like walking up to the edge of the Grand Canyon on the rim and looking down and saying, yeah, that's a hole in the ground. You know, that's, we, 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 we kind of do grace that way. Paul was consumed by the grace that God had shown him. And so he writes about it often. Uh, in, in a letter to uh, the church at Ephesus, he speaks about this. He speaks about how in, in, in God's grace, he chose us as his own. Look at this from Ephesians chapter 1. It says, it brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. God gave that grace to us freely. In Christ, the one he loves. In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death and so we we have we have forgiveness of sins how rich is God's grace which he has given to us so fully and so freely so what is it really well I just want to give you one quick definition grace simply put is just it's a gift it is it is a gift from God it's just it's a gift you haven't earned it you know 
It's not something you've lived for that you did something and you deserve it. You've just been graced by God. How many of you can remember back to 1995? Oh, that was better than the first crowd. I guess they weren't awake yet. Um, back in 1995, something interesting happened to Major League Baseball. They went on a strike. The players went on a strike. They couldn't agree with owners. Um, and not only did it impact Major League, it, it, it impacted the minors. The minors went on strike too. And so some of you will remember this. They, they started bringing in people who barely had baseball skills. I mean, basically, if you could field a grounder, you got to play Major League Baseball. So what happened was, one day these guys who were coaching Little League Baseball, the next day were playing in the Major Leagues. And they would get there early before a game. They would oil their gloves. They were thanking everybody. They were walking up in the stands. They were thanking the hot dog vendors. They were thanking the people doing the line markers. They were just, they were so thankful. One of, one of the managers said that one of his pitchers was so awful that he pitched so slow that the radar gun couldn't even register it. It, it, just, it wasn't even pick up. These guys were horrible, some of them. But they loved the game. And you know why they were so excited? Because they knew they did not deserve to be on the field. They were just so thankful. They were so grateful just to get to play the game, you know. There were no egos. There was none of that stuff that we see in, you know, professional sports sometimes. It was just grace for them. They knew they didn't deserve it. They knew they weren't good enough to be there. They knew they had not earned it. God's like that with you. He just graced you with Jesus. You know, when, when, I'm, when I'm privileged to get to sit down and talk with folks about God's grace in their lives, I, one of the things I found is that there are, there are a lot of people that kind of in the middle that get it, but there are often two kind of polar opposites, kind of extremes when it comes to grace. And a lot of people hang out on, uh, on either end of this. And one, one group hangs out and all they, they see is they have a hard time thinking of God as a God of grace. They have a hard time grasping that, you know. They've been carrying around in their, in their minds a picture of God that doesn't square with Jesus, you know. They, they think of God as, you know, someone who carries a big stick who's going who's gonna to beat them up. You know, somebody, this God that's the God of rules and regulations, this God who kind of sadistically may get pleasure from pain that they're in, you know. And they, they, that's just how they see God. And then, uh, let's say they're in God's Word and they're reading, you know, some of Paul's writings in the book of Romans. And they come across Romans 8. And in Romans 8 verse 31 it says this. What shall we say in response? It's talking about God's grace. It, it says if God is for us who can be against us? You know what that verse is saying right? God is for you. Doesn't say he might be one day. It doesn't say he was and he got over it. You know it, it doesn't say anything like that. It says God is for you. He, he's just, he's for you. He's for you right now at 11.46 a.m. Eastern Daylight State, whatever it is, you know. God is for you. You don't have to come back tomorrow. You don't have to wait in line. It's not going to run out. God is, God is for you. 
No matter what you've done, how long you did it, who you did it, God is for you. Right now. And he's always for you. And see, the, the, this is kind of the clear message of, of the Bible. That this God, the creator God, the designer of the universe, that God, he's for you. It's grace. He, that's grace for you. And it's not, it's not because you deserve it. It's, it's wrapped up in who he is. It's, it's his nature. It's God's very nature. I mean, we can, we can see this in both Testaments. Back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah said this. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about God? That he, he is waiting. God's just waiting to, 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 to show you compassion. He's just, he longs to be gracious to you. You know, for some who have rigid religious backgrounds, man, you read something like that and that, that, that can liberate you. That can set you free. When you come to realize that God's not some kind of cruel taskmaster, that he's a, he's a loving, loving heavenly father. And when you begin to understand that, man, it starts changing everything. It changed me, wrecked me. You know, when I, when I began to understand that. And so, there's all these folks on that end of the spectrum that really have a hard time with the God of grace because, because of some of their past. You know, struggling with that. But then, on this side of the spectrum, there are other people that you kind of, you know, maybe sit with over coffee. And after a few moments, you're pretty sure that they think they deserve grace. You know, they, they look around the coffee shop at everybody else in there and think, you know, they, 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 you just kind of see them. They're kind of grading everybody and they're thinking, well, you know, God grades on a curve. I look around the room. You know, some of you are doing it right now. You know, you look around the room and you're saying, well, I'm sitting next to that guy. I'm in. You know, if there's like only so many spots in heaven, pretty sure I got one. You know, pretty, pretty sure. There, there are people who, who, who think that way. That just are pretty sure that grace is wrapped up in them. And here's the deal. If, if that's you, your, your problem isn't a misunderstanding of God. Your problem is a misunderstanding of you. You have too much of an elevated view of yourself. Because as, as grand and glorious and wonderful as God, as the Bible paints the image of God who he is, when the Bible talks about us apart from Christ, not so good. Not so good. Listen to some of this. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. None of y'all. Me neither. Not none of us. You go back to the Old Testament, you read things like Jeremiah. That prophet said, Human hearts, deceitful. Desperately wicked. Isaiah, a few of you have gone astray. Is that what it says? All. Oh, every, every last, every last stinking one of us have gone astray. We, we just, we've all gone astray. You get back to Paul's writing in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul, Paul tells us that, you know, without Christ we're under the dominion of Satan. And not only that, not only are we under his dominion, we're there because we're sinful by our own nature. We're just, we're, we're sin critters. Is kind of what Paul says. And see, when you understand how big and majestic and perfect God is, and then when you come to realize how sinful and small we are, 
we begin to sense how desperate we are for God's grace. Until we get to the place where we understand the darkness of our very own souls, that there's nothing in me to commend me to God, until that, you'll never experience the fullness of God's grace. It'll be kind of a foreign thought to you. But here's the good news. Even in spite of that kind of thinking, God's grace is made available to you. He, it, he makes it available to even those of us who may be on the arrogant side of, of that spectrum. He, he wants to give it. Not because we deserve it, even though we think we might, but because that's who he is. So if we're going to become these people who overflow with thanksgiving and grateful, if it's just going to spill out of us, we've got to understand how grace flows into us. But the second part of the sentence is this. When grace flows in, real grace, biblical grace, gratitude fills up. When, when, when you get connected really to the grace of God, the only human response is to be grateful. is for, for gratitude to just begin to fill up our hearts. It's a natural byproduct. Grumbling will begin to cease. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can go from, you know, from grateful to grumbling in zero to 60 you know I don't know if you've ever found yourself just moving like that I can I can I can quickly do that I can be so grateful and then something just doesn't go the way I want it to you know I can just turn into that grumbling complaining beast and it's because what, what happens in a moment like that is I'm I'm focused on what I don't have or what didn't go, go my way Anybody else in there got a word of testimony? You know? You know, that's, that's part of the, the human condition. What, if you go back to the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, you know, they were created beautifully in the image of God. It was a wonderful, you know, they were the crowning achievement of God's creation. Created in his very image. Per they were perfect human beings. And they were plopped right down in the most beautiful place. Perfect place. The Bible calls it paradise. Perfect environment. Everything was there for their enjoyment, God said, for, for their pleasure. God only withheld one thing and he withheld it because it was for their own good. The Bible says it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything else for your enjoyment but this one thing God said you don't want to mess with this. It'll kill you. You know. What did they focus on? One stupid tree. Everything else is there for their everything is here for your enjoyment. You know. Stupid tree. You know, it's just, that's all they could think about was this tree I can't have. I want, I want the tree. You know, that, that became their thinking. You ever like that? That one thing that you can't have right now, you just want it more. You know, we just, we complain when we don't get it. I did some reading about, you know, this idea of grumbling this week. And uh, there's, a, there's a guy by the name of Saint Benedict. He was uh, 
uh, part of a monastic community, monastic life. He kind of rose in rank um, in the monastery and he b began writing some rules for life in, in a monastic community. And um, one of the things that uh, he said should not exist among God's people is, is grumbling. He took that, that issue very, very seriously. And so he wrote this. He said, first and foremost, there, there must be no word or sign of grumbling, no manifestation of it for any reason at all. And that was pretty straightforward, you know. But he didn't leave it there. He went on to write this. He said, let Father Abbott, one of the fathers there, and he's talking to about the other monks. He said, let Father Abbott, if there is a, a, a monk who is complaining, let Father Abbott send two stout monks to explain this matter to him. Two stout monks. I just kind of, the imagery of that, you know, it's kind of like, if you're going to whine and complain in my monastery, you know, Luigi and Guido are coming to visit you, you know, so just watch it. Y'all think we should do that at church? Luigi and Guido, when there's complaining, you know, you think we ought to just send Luigi and Guido out there? Might not be a bad idea. See, gratitude. Gratitude needs to warm our hearts because it, it wrecks community. It'll destroy community when it's not present. And I'm not talking about just that kind of gratitude where you just try to make everybody polite. You know, it's just, you know, Christmas is coming up. And your kids are probably going to get some gifts that they didn't want. And I don't know, you know, my parents did it to me, I did it to our kids. You know, you just can stare at them and just, you, you communicate, you better say thank you. They have no idea what it is. You know, grandma knitted them something or something, they, they don't know what it is. And you, you're just saying, you better, we, we think that's gratitude. That, that, that's what gratitude, you know, looks like as we, like we can somehow force, you know, it to exist. Biblical gratitude is something that flows from a soul that becomes filled with appreciation. Grateful, filled with, with gratitude. So I, I want to kind of paint a picture of that a little bit and uh, so that we can maybe be those people that overflow. I will give you three words to kind of help paint a picture that hopefully these three words will help you think about pathways to gratitude. The first word is the word perspective. Perspective. Because gratitude is not uh, circumstance dependent. Gratitude is not, biblical gratitude is not based on, you know, what I'm facing, what I'm going through. Uh, it's, it's not based on what I have or don't have. It's not about, I don't have this job or, you know, I may not have this level of health. Um, and one of the great places in scripture, if you want to read about this and see how, how, how a heart that is grumbling can be transformed, there's a, a little book in the Old Testament, uh, a guy by the name of Habakkuk wrote. Um, it's probably back in the back of the Old Testament where your pages are still stuck together if you don't read back there much. Um, but Habakkuk, he start, first two and a half chapters are basically wine, 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 wine. You just want to say, dude, I got cheese, come on. You know, you just, he's just whining and grumbling and he's saying, dear God, you know, I'm praying all the time and nothing happens. You know, it looks like all the really good people are, you know, getting all messed up and all the really bad people are getting everything their way. God, where are you? He's just grumble, grumble, complain, complain. And then you get to the end of chapter 3 and you read this. 
verses 17 and 18. It says, this is Habakkuk saying, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now, I challenge you to go read the book. I did. Nothing changes. We don't know of a single thing that changes for Habakkuk circumstances. Just there's this moment in time where Habakkuk realizes he thinks about the God of his salvation. And the only thing that changed was his perspective. I mean, there were still, you know, no grapes, no cows, no nothing. Circumstance were unchanged, but yet, he says, yet I'll be joyful. Yet I, I, I will rejoice. See, when, when you have a, a grateful heart, a heart that is connected to God's grace and gets filled with gratitude, always, no matter what you're facing, there will always be a yet. Yet. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That's why Paul was able to write to his brothers and sisters at the church at Thessalonica and what we know is chapter 5 verse 18. It says, no matter what has happened, always be thankful. For this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You can always be thankful because you belong. You belong to Christ Jesus. When I read that this week, I thought about a young lady I had uh, been kind of following this a little bit, been praying for her. Her name is Leah Sharibu. Some of you may know her. If not, I would encourage you to get to know her. You can Google her. Um, Leah is the one 15-year-old girl who is still being held captive by Boko Haram. Some of you will remember a little less than a year ago, um, they, uh, they stormed a Christian girls' school, took about 120 girls captive, uh, eventually killed five of them. 110 were later released. But they, they didn't release Leah because she would not renounce her faith. She would not say, you know, I, I do not trust Jesus. Some of those 110 girls that give accounts of Leah's life while they were being held hostage together talked about how grateful she was to God. Even in the midst of her captivity, they, they were just blown away by how grateful she was to God for what he had done for her. Leah Sharibu, to my knowledge, is still in captivity, the last I've read. And I would encourage... In fact, let's do this. Let's pray. Let's just pray for Leah's release. You just go to God right where you're at and just pray for God to set her as free physically as he has set her free spiritually. Pray right where you're at for Leah. Father, our sister needs you. We know that she knows she has you. And maybe what you wanted us to do in this moment is learn from her. Maybe you're wanting to convict our spirits as we pray. 
God, we thank you that you have set Leah free in her spirit so that she knows she's yours. And now, God, we pray that you would set her free from her physical captives so that she might proclaim your goodness and glory. We thank you, God, that she is, even in her captivity, changing the nation of Nigeria. Be with her mom and dad, her brother and sister. We, we just pray for that family now. Be gracious to them, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Leah's gratefulness is allowing her to change a nation even in her captivity. Her circumstances have not changed because she has perspective. She has the right perspective. Another word that I want to give you that will help you on this path to growing in gratitude is protection. Protection. And here's the reality. In the Christian life, there are so many things that create spiritual heart disease that just come after our hearts. I just want to walk you through a couple of them because I believe gratitude brings so much healing here. It, it provides protection here. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes this. He says, Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, those are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Now, I, I just tell you, when I, when I read that verse, because I was just going through looking for verses that said thankful and grateful and that kind of stuff. I read that verse and I thought, huh? What, do, what does obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes have to do with thankfulness? Didn't. But here's, here's what kind of stirred in my heart as I, as I just kind of got stuck there. And, and it's this. When gratitude moves in, when, when it starts filling you up, it actually changes what comes out of your mouth. When gratitude really moves in, when grace fills you up with gratitude, it transforms you in so many ways, even to the point of your language. It changes your words. Some, just some other examples, you know. Let's say you struggle with maybe you're in a, maybe you're battling a critical spirit. Maybe there's just a lot of cynicism. Maybe, and that's symptomatic of an ungrateful heart. I just want to encourage you, work on gratitude. Look for ways to be thankful for things that maybe you're critical of. Maybe, you know, look for things that you appreciate. And just start thanking God for this. You may be here today and your marriage is in a struggle. Maybe there's a bitter root that has, has kind of taken hold. I want to encourage you today to start looking for things that you can be grateful for in your spouse. Even if it's just one, find the one thing and thank God for it and thank them. Say it out loud to them that you are thankful for this in their lives. Because God will start transforming you. Maybe, maybe right now, you know, there's, this is the season, you know, to be covetous. You know, the, the, we, all the commercials are going to begin coming, you know, this, just kind of driving us towards materialism. If you will focus on what God has given you and be grateful for those things, here's what will happen. You'll begin to realize that stuff has no value in eternity. It's not going to set you free. It's going to hold you captive. 
So be grateful and it will set you free from so many things. See, gratitude guards your heart. It will protect you from so many places in this world where we can fall. It's a great pathway to growing. Third, third word on this pathway to growing in gratitude is practice. Just practice. Practice. Practice living in moments. You know? Just practice doing, you know, when, when, when God does something, just stay there. Just camp out. Things, this life is so beautiful in so many ways, you know, because people can't, nobody can take that away. That's one of the things I'm learning. Those of you who know me know that I don't, I don't pause and celebrate like I should. You know, we, we, we do something. I want to go do the next something, you know. Um, and I know some of you have that disease too. You know, and we need to learn to start just living in the moment. And so I've been trying to do that. This past Tuesday, um, uh, our our building was filled up with homeschoolers who and their parents. Many of their parents were here. They were having a celebration of Thanksgiving, and they had uh, they had all brought this great big potluck meal. It was it was beautiful. I was supposed to be here to pray and. I got here late. But anyway, um, they were gracious to me and uh, it was a good thing. But as I walked out of my office, I came out into the little glassed-in area. Before I went out, I was just struck by how much joy was in that room. I just stood there in that little glassed-in area before I walked out to where they were, looking at them. There, were, there was community was happening between parents and young people and kids. It was, it was just beautiful. And I just... Breathe that moment in and thank God for that. And then went out and confessed my sin. You know, said, I'm sorry. Uh, and they were gracious. They were very gracious. And then this, this past Thursday, um, my grandson turned three. And so we went over to his house to have a little birthday party. And I asked him and I said, Emmett, how old are you? I'm three months old. His little sister's six months old, you know, so all he's hearing is months. And so, I'm three months old. And he's just so proud of, you know, being three months old, you know. And we just enjoyed that moment. You know, it's a beautiful moment. Didn't try to correct him. We didn't see him, but I said, oh, yeah, you're three years old. Come on, kid, get it. We just enjoyed the moment. Just, 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 just live in that moment. Because it, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know. Um... And you can do this. You can do this anywhere. Look at your left hand. Just look at your left hand for a minute. Physicians tell us that this, your hand is a miracle that it, it works the way it does. It's just an incredible thing that your, your hand functions this way. You know, on, on my left wrist, I wear a watch. And there, there are seconds ticking down, you know. And every one of those seconds is a beautiful gift from God. Something to be, th you can live in that moment, thanking God. On my left hand, I'm fortunate to wear a ring. And that ring symbolizes a commitment of love that, that I get to experience. It, for Kathy, it might mean captivity. I don't know what it means to her, but for, but for me... It's a celebration of, of a commitment of love that, that I have with that lady. And, you know, you, you can take those small things and stop and, and experience the grace of God. You can, you can practice this. 
You know, but you got, you got to be intentional to learn to, to kind of to live in those moments. You know, you know, with that left hand, you could just, you could put it around somebody that you're near. Or maybe reach over and pat up. Now, if you're sitting near a stranger, you got to be really careful about this, okay? Um, unless you're both single and they're attractive and you're thinking, hey, let's see. No, don't. Don't do that. Um, but you, th we have these opportunities that, and we got to practice living in the moment. Psalms 118, the psalmist writes these words. This, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. Just be glad in it. Right now, this, this, this moment. It didn't say yesterday. It's not talking about tomorrow. This. Be joyful in, in this. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to make the rest of the day a no complaint day. Okay? Just a no, no complaining zone. And see, you've got it better than the people that were here at 930 because you've got an hour and a half less time to do this in. Okay? So you, you chose right. Okay? But just make the rest of the day a day to, to be joyous in. To be, to, be, to be willing to make it a no complaint day. So let's kind of review our, our, our sentence. When grace flows in, gratitude fills up, and here's, here's the closing. Gratefulness falls out. Gratefulness falls out. It, it'll, it'll fall out, and it'll look like that your, your heart begins to be generous with thanks. Generous with, with gratefulness. It just, it'll begin to show on your face It'll affect the words that you use. It'll impact the actions that you have. And I want to help you with this. Okay? In a few moments we're going to share in communion together. We're going to share the Lord's table together. And, and, and at the table when you go up to, to receive communion. Um, there are some little, little business sized cards up there. And I want to encourage you to take one or two, three of them. Uh, back to your seat. And, and here's what it says. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it on one side. On the other side, it says this. I'm grateful for you. Thanks for making a difference. I want you to find somebody this week to give this to. To just say, I think, I'm thankful for you. I thank God for you. You made a difference in my life. Some of you may want to give it to one of our River Kids workers before you leave. Because they've blessed your life by loving, loving. I don't know who you want to give it to. Okay? But take it and give it to somebody this week. So make, make sure you get one. At least one of those. Some of you need to get five or six. If you're having a real struggle with gratitude, you, you may, we'll print you some more. Okay? If we need to. To just help you, help you practice that. You know? Doing that thing. I want to close our, our, our time here this morning thinking about an event from the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, Luke records an event from Jesus' life when he, he went into the home of Simon the Pharisee. It was a party that Simon had thrown and, you know, he invited all his friends so he could be seen with Jesus probably. And because uh, Jesus was kind of the hot topic of the day and... Um, and so Jesus comes, graciously so, and um, an uninvited guest shows up. A woman shows up, was known to kind of be the town center. And she comes and she just kind of gets at the feet of Jesus, 
They're, they're kind of in a reclined position. That was the way they ate. They took their meals. And the Bible tells us that her, her eyes filled with tears. Those tears ran down her cheek and they fell on Jesus' feet. And she took her hair and she bent down and she dried his feet. And then in an act of unbelievable gratitude, she kissed his feet and she anoints his feet with, with perfume. She just... And Simon gets ticked. The Pharisee's angry. One, because this woman got past, you know, the guards, I guess. His security system didn't work. I don't know. But he was also ticked at Jesus because Jesus wasn't stopping her. And Jesus kind of realized what was going on in Simon's heart. And so he tells a story about people who owe a great debt. And at the end of the story... Jesus then points out in Luke 7 verse 47 they tell you her sins and they are many they've been forgiven and because of that she has shown me much love because she was grateful because her sins were forgiven and then he goes on to say but a person who's forgiven little shows little love don't don't miss this you will never experience the full measure of love. You will never be the kind of person that you want to be. You will never know love. Never know love fully until your heart is gripped by the grace of God. Till you're, till you're captured by that grace. So much so that gratitude fills up and love just flows out. You're just so grateful it just flows out. So let grace fill you up. Let it flow in. Let it fill your life with gratitude so that gratefulness just comes out of you. Because you're loved, you can love in great ways. Grace flows in, gratitude fills up, and gratefulness falls out. I want us to pray together. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin making their way down here, down front. Let's pray, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come right now as your people, grateful. Grateful for your grace. Grateful, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us. Grateful. So we just pray right now that first, God, our minds would be, would be filled with understanding of your grace. That we would not be people on one end of the spectrum who misunderstand you or on the other end of the spectrum where we misunderstand ourselves. God, we want to be right where your grace is. And we want it to fill us up, God. We want to be people that are just filled with gratitude, thankful hearts. So that every time we get bumped, that's what spills out. It just overflows with grateful, generous love. So we come now in this moment, God, grateful for what you've given us. Grateful for the resources. that, you, And so we give we give part of it back as offering but we also give you what's yours we give you your tithes so we ask you to take them to further your kingdom so that your grace might be known to all the world thanks for listening if you're in North Charleston this Sunday please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.